Hi, this is Margaret McBride with Army CIO 6 uh, at the Land Warnet uh, Conference in Tampa, Florida. Uh, can people who are on the line identify themselves, please? Chuck Simmons from America's North Shore Journal. North Joe Gould from Army Times. Okay. Sebastian Sprenger, Inside the Army. Okay. Marina Malenig with Jane. Nick Terse, Alternate. Conover, U.S. Naval Institute. Uh, okay, I didn't hear who was there before uh, Naval Institute. Alternate, did I hear? Uh, yes, Nick Terrace, alternate. Okay, alternate, okay. Bob Bruin, uh, Zach. Hi, Bob, thank you. Eric Parker, Federal News Service. Sarah Chaco for Nicole Blake Johnson from Federal Times. So there's Federal, Federal News Service, and I missed who's from that. Eric Parker. Okay. Michael Hoffman, Defense News. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Um, well, let me uh, begin by saying that we are, uh, as I said, at Tampa, Florida, the um, Land Warnet Conference, and today we have a uh, a media availability with General Lawrence and General Hernandez, and we also have General Knapper and General Lynn. And what I um, will uh, do is just go around, introduce our generals, and then lay out some ground rules, and then have the media. We've got the bloggers who have just and media who've called in, but then have the media in the room um, identify themselves. Did I hear something? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, as uh, you all know, um, we are talking today about the Army Network Vision for 2020 and the future of Army Cyber Forces. We have General Rest Hernandez, who is the Commanding General of Army Cyber Command. Lieutenant General Susan Lawrence, the Army Chief Information Officer, G6. Major General Jennifer Knapper the Commanding General of NETCOM, 9th Signal Command, Brigadier General Alan Lynn, the Chief of the Army... That would be Major General. <laughs> Excuse me, Ma. Major General Alan Lynn, uh, Chief of the Army Signal... Excuse me. Um, and each of them will say a few words, but uh, before we go, can the media identify themselves? Hi, Jared Serbia with Federal News Radio. Hank Donnelly, Military Information Technology. Sharon Anderson, Ships Magazine, Navy IT Magazine. Mary Ann Lawler, Signal Magazine, FBS. Uh, Andrew White. You really care a little about me? Okay. Can someone mute phones on the outside? And then, like, I should be upset. Really? You're, you're, you could be upset. I would be upset for sure. It could be the other way around. Now we're, excuse me. And I said when he wants to go, yeah, I'll take her off. Okay, so. Sorry, guys, we're going to have Turn off the phone call. We're hearing too much background. Can please mute your background or if you're talking. Okay. I'm sorry, but we are going to have to. Uh, we're going to just have to cut you off, I think. Uh, can, you just, can we just call back? I don't know who they put the mute on, but this is ridiculous. Just uh, turn it all the way down. Okay. That's a good idea. Well, okay. Let's get started with... Um, Okay. Okay. General Hernandez, can you uh, speak for a few minutes? 
Volume down. Sorry, we're going to start now. So th this is really the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> we can't figure out technology. <laughs> Which we're going to talk about the um, network in 2020. We do need to mute yours over there until you talk because that's where we're getting the cross feed. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So I'm uh, Lieutenant General Red Hernandez, uh, Commanding General of uh, Army Cyber Command, Second United States Army, and I really want to spend a couple minutes telling you who we are and what we've been doing for about the last 10 months and a little bit about the way ahead. As we work to train, organize, and equip around cyberspace as a domain, uh, we must ensure we maintain the freedom to operate. And as you all know, and we've talked about it uh, each day so far, the threat's real, growing, sophisticated, and evolving. Recognizing the need to operate and defend against cyber threats and the importance of enabling mission command, the Army activated Army Cyber Command, 2nd United States Army, on 1 October 2010. Command provides unprecedented unity of effort in full-spectrum cyberspace operations and is a global command with more than 21,000 soldiers and civilians serving worldwide. Our mission is to direct and conduct network operations and defense of all Army networks. When directed, conduct cyberspace operations in support of full-spectrum operations to ensure U.S. allied action, cyberspace, and deny the same to our adversaries to serve as the cyberspace proponent for the Army and coordinate information operations for the Army. We have a service component to U.S. Cyber Command. This mission, a few highlights on how we're organized. Uh, we have a major headquarters uh, split-based at uh, Fort Belvoir and Fort Meade and three supporting commands. Tom 9 Signal Command with Major General Napper here today. Security Command and Operations Command. Our Operations Center directs our mission and plays is our center. Additionally, we're growing a, a cyber brigade to serve as our operational arm for full spectrum capabilities. During the last year, we've been uh, pretty busy. Uh, as you consider, we started from scratch. We've accomplished some major objectives that I'd like to highlight. Uh, first and foremost, we've established a high level of integration with Cyber Command and our fellow service cyber components. We have an operational focus with an unprecedented unity of effort in operating and defending all Army networks globally 24-7. Heavily engaged in operational planning with U.S. Cyber Command, contributing a growing bench of cyberspace planners that are focusing our efforts on cyberspace operations. Just, uh, I might believe we have really planned and cyber integration into major exercises. I'm uh, excited that we've established the Army hard force development work. Additionally, we've conducted a comprehensive Army cyberspace assessment uh, leading to our work on an Army Cyber 2020 strategic plan. While our mission is clear, so too is our vision for Army Cyber 2020 starting to take shape. I envision a professional team of elite, trusted, precise, disciplined cyber warriors defending Army networks. When directed, able to provide dominant full-spectrum cyber effects, enabling mission command, and ensuring a decisive global advantage. The work on our strategic plan is intended to help achieve our vision, and it too is gaining clarity. We have three major lines of effort to guide our work. First, operationalize cyber. Second, grow Army cyber capacity and capability. And third, recruit, develop, and retain the right cyber warrior force. The final point I'd like to make is that for a command built around technology, it's important to remember our most valuable asset, our people. They're the centerpiece to our work. Our soldiers and civilians will determine our success and ensure that we remain second to none. So I want to thank you for those few brief comments, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you. Well, good morning. I hope you all, especially those who are here in the room, enjoying the conference. Uh, I think we really made a difference today and, and bringing different types of speakers in to motivate us to think about the different things innovatively. And we just now demonstrated to you 
what a uh, disruption is in the cyber environment <laughs> by bringing in these callers. So, <laughs> as they talk about the definition of cyber, there you go. <laughs> well, um, for those that, that heard me uh, speak yesterday, uh, I've taken the first four months of my time as the CIO G6 to look at where we need to focus, what should the vision be, and I discussed the, the need to look at the Network 2020. Over the next three palms, where do we want to be to support what is going to be a smaller but much more capable army uh, for us, and that is ensuring that we remain the most powerful land force in the world as we go through this. So the vision is the network of 2020 powering America's army as we look at this. And why is this important? One of the, the forcing functions of keeping us connected globally is the, the things we've been working on for the last few years, and that's been the base realignment and closures. We're now an 80% CONUS-based army. And what that means is we have to have the network empower that CONUS-based army so that they can be better trained, um, train as they fight, the ability to deploy with little to no notice into any austere environment, but be connected to their mission command applications. And that's what we're going to work for. And so our bumper sticker on that is, is always network, always on um, as we do it. You've seen, uh, many of you have been at my other presentations, as I talk about the, the uh, connection, and that is the first step that we're doing, that single identity, that soldier that can take uh, his CAC card or her CAC card and go anywhere in the world, put it into a government computer, and have immediate access to their information. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, the data, as we work through it. So whether the soldier is sitting at home or TDY, or at their post-camping station, or deployed in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, in any austere environment, they can connect to the information. And we're finishing out this year our last two regional hub nodes. And so what that means, the last two are in Camp Roberts, California, and Guam. And so an individual could take a suitcase satellite terminal with them and connect to any two locations around the world and immediately be connected to the global network enterprise and have access to their information. And that's what's going to be key and powerful of what we're going to be able to do as we work through that. And we talk about that cloud in the middle, and this is where the hard work is. This is where we're really having to roll our sleeves up, and that is cleaning up our applications, what are the relevant applications, what services are needed by our men and women serving, and the data. And so you heard a little bit from Admiral McRaven today when we talk about data. Where is it? How is it tagged? How do I get to it? How will I recognize it? And that's what I, and trust it. And that's the other element that we bring into in our partnership with cyber operations. That's trusted information as we're working through it. And so we're looking at uh, four imperatives uh, as we build this network out. And the first and most important one is that we're going to build a single, secure, standard-based network. That is, if you're serving in Europe or the Pacific or continental United States, it is the same network. And today, the problem we have is you saw from Ms. Takai, if you were in her presentation, you know, 15,000 different networks out there. You can't share information across those environments. It has to be a single environment in which to do it, and that's what we're going to be moving towards as, as we work through it. Um, Enabling the global collaboration. How are we going to command and control? How are we going to fight across this network as we do it? And yet that is the ability, again, you heard from Admiral McRaven, the ability to reach uh, a web portal or the data that they need in a collaborative environment. And you're going to hear from uh, Mr. Chambers on tomorrow. And, and uh, I, he spoke last week, and the thing that he talks about is videoing. I mean, that is the future. Everybody wants full motion video. So key is cleaning up this network because that's going to take a little bit more bandwidth. And, and that, is, that is, you think about our soldiers deployed, video. They're Skyping home to see their children and their significant others as they're going through it. And so that's the network that we've got to enable, and those are the things we're looking at. So as I look across the three palms, what are the immediate things that we need to do today to get that foundational environment? to ensure the third imperative, and that is access at the point of the need. Whether you're in a training environment or you're in an operational environment, touching the network is what we're going to be able to do. And that's the last imperative, capable, reliable, and trusted. 
And that is the key adventure. I was asked uh, recently in a discussion, they said, well, what's your, what's the hardest, um, what's your biggest impediment to achieving this? And I said, it has to be the culture. It is the environment of if I can't touch it myself, if I don't own it, I don't trust it. And um, I give the example when somebody says that to me, you know, especially some of our senior folks who says, i got to have someone be responsive to me within 10 minutes. And I said, oh, okay. I said, that's fair. And that can go into a, a license agreement, and, and we'll have Jennifer talk a little bit about how we're going to work through these things. But I said, well, who's your Internet service provider? Is it Yahoo or, you know, um, Gmail or AOL? And they'll say AOL. I said, well, great. I said, before you log in at night, you call AOL and say, where's my server? I, am, I don't trust you. I am not going to use you unless I can, tr I can touch my server. Or you flip open your cell phone and call Verizon and say, where's the tower? I really cannot trust you unless I know where that tower is. And so intuitively, we know what we're doing is right and headed in the right direction. It's just working through the culture of the trust as we do this. So again, thanks for being here and uh, sharing with us uh, during this time. Good morning. I'm Jennifer Napper. Um, I command Network Enterprise Technology Command, Night Signal Command. Uh, there's some little pamphlets that have all the bits and bytes of what I'm probably going to say, pieces of, uh, in front of you. Uh, we are the operational arm uh, of building, operating, maintaining, and defending the network for the Army. So in the short synopsis, I'd say our job is to execute the vision of the CIO in accordance with the orders from Army Cyber Command. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the way we work. Um, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for us. We're in the middle of implementing all the global network enterprise initiatives that General Sorensen and now General Lawrence have uh, been talking about for about three years. Um, and so any of the initiatives uh, that you've heard about, like enterprise email or data center consolidation or collapsing down the domain controls and our active directory or any of the others, um, that is our number one focus as we move out. Um, the second focus we have this year is transforming the way we deliver the capabilities on every post-camping station globally. As you heard General Lawrence say, we're getting at this as an enterprise approach. Uh, we've got built together a process we're calling Army Baseline IT Services, ABIT, uh, by which we can identify what kind of capabilities they need in the post-camping station, what are the resources necessary to deliver that, and then get that down to one enterprise as opposed to the multiple, I'm just going to say 15,000 networks and how many other commands are providing that today. Um, that's, a, that's a real exciting uh, new, new line of effort for us uh, this year. You'll probably hear a lot more about it over the, over the year. And our third focus, uh, similar to what you heard from, from both of the other uh, generals on my left, uh, is people. We understand that there's a finite number of folks in this country with the right skills and the right clearance or clear ability uh, to really help us uh, in our mission set. And uh, unfortunately, a large number of our folks have uh, been with us for 20 or 30 years, and are at that point, and we average about 34% in the next five years of retirement eligible in our population. And that is uh, really put the pressure on us to look differently at how we go out and uh, recruit um, some of the young folks to come on in and help us with this business. Um, and if we have a bumper sticker, it's that we're one team in the Army providing one net. General Lynn. Thank you. Uh, good morning. I'm Major General Alan Lynn. I am the commander for Fort Gordon and the Signal Center of Excellence. I also have the, uh, the honor of being the 35th Chief of Signal. Uh, essentially what I do is I run the university for signal officers, non-commissioned officers, uh, soldiers, and warrant officers. Uh, we also provide the future vision for the signal regiment. What I've been working on the last year is essentially a fundamental change to uh, the signal corps. Uh, our, our current design that we were running on was uh, probably Desert Storm era uh, uh, doctrine, uh, where we provided support just down to the battalion level. And as you know, uh, battalion level is just not low enough in the formation right now. So uh, the Combined Arms Center at Fort Leavenworth took a look at what our requirements would be 
and they came across the uh, mission essential capabilities list that we needed to provide. And that included communications down to the company level and below. Uh, there was one, one caveat, though. They, they didn't want us to grow the number of actual signal soldiers that we would have. So we had to go from battalion level down to company level and below without any growth in personnel. So the only uh, rheostat on that was to really take a look at the equipment set. So what we needed to do was really take a hard look at our structure, take a look at the doctrine, take a look at the training, take a look at the equipment, and the employment of signal forces. And so what we came up with is we need smaller, more capable teams, much like uh, the Special Operations Forces use, like JCSE is currently running with, uh, smaller, uh, more capable systems as well. Uh, so commercial standards, uh, a lot of commercial off-the-shelf. We even look at some small handhelds, including iPhones and droids. Uh, but this will allow us to c cover more, more area because they're smaller teams. Same number of people, but smaller teams, more capable equipment. We can go further down in the force to provide support. Uh, the other thing we're, we're having to look at is relooking the way we train the force. Uh, because as these systems come in, uh, there's going to be multiple different kind of systems uh, a soldier will have to operate. Instead of training them to, to train on one box, for example, we just train a satellite operator uh, today. Tomorrow, we're going to teach them the theory of satellite, line of sight, and tropospheric scatter. Uh, so they'll understand the theory of it. So as the boxes change, as we go through Moore's Law, the boxes will change more rapidly they'll understand the theory of the systems, and then we just have to teach them how to, how to operate the buttons. So the buttons piece, they'll be getting from their apps, the applications that we develop. We are developing our own apps at the Signal Center of Excellence as well. So these apps is, is how the soldiers like to, like to train today. Uh, if, if you show them a proctor and a PowerPoint slide, they will just look at you like, what are, you, are you kidding me? They want to have that touch and feel, that, that, uh, that system that they can actually uh, see it visually on a screen, plug in cables on a screen, uh, and we're doing that at the Signal Center today. That, that's actually happening today. And then by the time they actually get to the equipment, they're very familiar with it, they know how to operate it, and uh, that's the way they, they like to learn. Um, we're also looking at uh, virtualizing some of the, the training. so. The, the live, the, obviously we're going to have live training, but we'll have virtual and constructive and gaming. Soldiers today are interested in gaming. So if, we're, if we develop this environment, we're already working this in a number of the different centers of excellence, uh, and a soldier goes into it, they care about their avatar. They really care about their avatar. If they go out and they shoot uh, okay out at the range, if they, if they shoot uh, marksmen. So that score is put into the gaming system. So if they only shoot marksmen when they're out playing on the, the virtual gaming environment, they don't do as well as their buddies. So their buddies are yelling, hey, come on, at their avatar, hey, come on. Okay. And for their PT test, if they don't run as fast on their PT test, that's, the, that's what we put into the game. They can't run as fast. So they care about the, it's kind of a, a different way of looking at things. They care about that avatar, and if the avatar is not performing well in the gaming, then their buddies are beating them up about, hey, you, you need to go back and take your PT test. You need to go back and go shoot again so we can get your scores up so you're a better teammate. And so it's, it's, it's a new paradigm, a new way of thinking, a new way of training, and it's, it really is pretty exciting. So that's what I do. Okay. Well, thank you all. And uh, why don't um, we open it up now for questions for the folks in the room. Now, I think we might be a good thing to check and see if we have our people on. The, are, are the media and bloggers still on the line? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Thank you for cutting the background noise. Okay. So we're going to start with folks in the room. Uh, Jared, uh, I mean, around. Uh, I'll ask you, uh, Jeff, the direction of the Army Base 119 service is just 
parts. One is um, where it's appropriate um, applications and services should be hosted and, and run centrally. Some of them are well unless they're local, and some are very specialized and need to stay local. So the example uh, Joe Lawrence is giving you about someone who wanted a 10-minute response, the way we do human resource management, those systems that they use for, for evaluation boards and things like that are only used at one place. So that's not going to, it wouldn't make sense for me to host that somewhere in another country, you know, across the country. So yes and no. Where it makes sense, the enterprise uh, applications and services will be pulled up and that load taken off of the local uh, net or network enterprise centers. Um, where it's not appropriate, we'll keep that data down, but we will consolidate their into data centers, but much less of them, so we can uh, properly operate them and defend them. I mean, do you see that being significant enough that you end up needing less local IT manpower at those camping stations? Yes, but you still need touch lamers. Okay, so we'll never forget that. And they are our, our face to the customer and really do um, that piece for us. Like I said, some things stay, stay local. Thanks. Questions? Any other questions? Uh, um, well, uh, Hank, do you? Um, well, I guess uh, if uh, I'm not sure who asked General Napper or Lawrence uh, uh, about the uh, uh, consolidation data center consolidation, how's that coming along? Where does that stand? Where's it going? Remember what I said? My toughest challenge was <laughs> culture. So we're moving out, uh, and in fact, the Army is one of the more proactive ones uh, in federal service. And so when you look at all the data centers across federal service, uh, we're going to take down about 25% of them for all the right reasons. You know, one of the things that we learned during uh, Operation Rampart Yankee is that we were operating at a very low, inefficient rate across all our servers in the Army. So this is just a no-kidding, uh, smart thing to do. So it, twofold. One is not just the physical doing the data center consolidation, but spring cleaning. We have old applications we've been maintaining for a long time. And so as we reduce a data center or consolidate it, we are mandating that you will cut your current applications 30 to 50%. Now there's where you're going to get real savings. And Jared, as you said, in the manpower. And so as we, we go down from three, 300 data centers to 75 or whatever, and it's going to be even below that by the time we're done, is less people obviously need it to, to maintain it as we're looking at it. Because we have some shortfalls in other areas, and so what we're going to do is where we find these inefficiencies, uh, we're going to harvest those individuals and then put them where we're short. So pay our own bill at the end of the day. And, and what is going to be key is, as the Secretary of Defense said on the front page of the Wall Street Journal is that we're going to save a half a billion dollars at the end of, of doing this. And what is critical, if we don't capture those savings today, they will just go away. They'll just be absorbed somewhere. So we have a closure report that we're doing with each of our data centers. And uh, we say, okay, how many people were working in there? How many contracts did you have? What were your O&M expenditures? What was your hardware? And they have to fill this report in, out to come back into what we have built as a dashboard so then we can tell them where the disposition of those people and those dollars so that we can recapitalize them into what we're doing and, and some of the uh, initiatives that I talked about. Well, the first seven reports that came in said, no, 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 N-A-N-A. -A. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, you had no people running it and it didn't cost you anything. So now I'm moving everything to your data center. <laughs> So it's you know that's the hard part, but we're we're just doing the first step right now, and we're getting our procedures down, and uh, this is going to be a real win for our service as we as we get moving on this. Yeah, it, it, it's a combination between the data center consolidations and the enterprise email. And so what we did is we were working our business case analysis. We computed what it cost to have a soldier have an email account today. And um, if, if it's, uh, and it was very expensive. It was over $125 just for a basic email account. 
And so today, by going through a managed service and doing the consolidations, that same account now is costing us about $34. And so that's where the huge savings are. Um, today we have multiple health desks on installations managing their post-camp and station email. In the future, we're going to have an enterprise service desk that you're just like we stood up in Europe when I was in command there. So anywhere in Europe, you could pick up the phone and dial 119. 60% of the time, we were remotely logging into your computer and fixing it so that we reduced touch labor, we reduced the cost of the account. Um, I mean, just it, it just went on and on. And so that's the same thing what we did in Europe we're going to do here in the continental United States. I mean, some post-campus stations that we go to in inventory, you'll find five, six different help desks um, doing their own thing. And so those are the... Uh, the things that we're going to go after, and we're literally going to go post-camp and station and clean this up because I need those resources to, again, as I said, reinvest to build out this network of 2020 that we want to get to. Everything over IP, um, wireless talk, uh, voice over IP. I mean, just, there's so many things that, uh, that, that we need to be doing quickly, and so we need to get those dollars back in and get them reinvested as fast as we can. Um, we'll just keep going. Marianne uh, from Signal Magazine. My question is about jointness. This is all very nice, all about the Army, and I'm really enjoying it and all that sort of thing. But um, I have SunWest, I'm covering the reports for managers no longer exist. And everybody knows each service cannot continue financially or for other reasons to only its own service. Yes. So, what are you doing in that arena? Well, would somebody ask a cyber question, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind taking it. It is very. I don't mind taking So, uh, well, let me give you one example. I don't, if you did, did you hear Mr. Kai this morning? Fabulous, DOD CIO. The, the service CIOs, we get together every other week, and we roll up our sleeves, and we're going after this. Um, because we can't, you're right, we cannot afford to continue. I'll give you one example, and then I'll let turn it over to Jennifer something called uh, Unified Gold Master. So there's a change that comes down in our operating system. DISA takes it and puts, publishes a Unified Gold Master. The Air Force then takes it and kind of puts it in their lab and makes some changes and call it the Air Force Gold Master. And what does the Army do? We take it and put it in our labs and change it a little bit more, and now we call it the Army Gold Master. And we said, stop the madness. Remember, I said, we're going to take that cut card, and I'm going to go to any government computer, we have to baseline it across all the services. And so the service CIO said, stop, we're no longer going to do this, and there's going to be a policy that's going to come out and direct us not to do it anymore. So we're taking things like that on. Um, and you probably noticed at the end of her presentation, she talked about what we're doing in Europe uh, for a joint enterprise network. Um, if you look at the way we have done business in, in a place like Europe, which is relatively small, if you don't mind me saying it that way, um, compared to Kona. Okay, there. Um, we have had an Air Force network, an Army network, a joint network, and even an, a little bit of a Navy network coming into there. And that doesn't make sense anymore from the transport level or from the way we do the data centers. And so we are this year there's a, there's a consolidation of the data centers in Europe, the turning the network, uh, the transport piece, into one joint environment so that all of us are on the same. And then the, the, the third piece of that um, really gets at then the, the processes and, and how we, we work together as a team over there. So that's the first one we're going after. The second one is in Korea, as you might expect, a joint information environment there. And so we're building from that uh, then how to work on issues here in Canada. So I will take that as a cyber question. Yes. Great. Uh, I have said from the beginning that the enterprise services and the enterprise initiatives are, are all necessary but not sufficient. Uh, so the, the sooner we can get to those, the sooner we can get to the things that are keeping us from being joined now. So we're operating and defending the largest portion of the DOD gig today because we have to, because it's, it's Army. When you go to Europe and you see the gen there between uh, uh, what UCOM and AFRICOM are doing, that's powerful. So they're not having service discussions. They're starting to have coalition discussions. Uh, and that's really where we need to go. Uh, over time, I believe that uh, uh, this is clearly inherently joint and will become more and more joint. Defense system? Uh, 
we were going to go keep going, but Amber, do you want to defer to Barry or? Like you, 
They're working it right now, so, so probably months. Okay, um, what we're going to do now, Barry, oh, okay, you're here. So. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, General Lawrence uh, if you could get into the weeds a little bit on what's cleaning up the network. Where is the noise coming from? <laughs> right, right. What, what's, uh, what's right. holding you back? Yeah, the, um, when I commanded NETCOM, I used the analogy a lot, and I see some of my NETCOM teammates in here, is, is you can only have one quarterback and one playbook on the field. Um, if you're trying to make, if you're trying to score, if you've got six quarterbacks on six playbooks running all over the, the the field, your chances of scoring is really reduced. And so the key is to have that one quarterback and that one playbook as we're going through it. So the first thing we did is we had the um, network authorities, which we call the DAAs, uh, out there that that had the authorities to say. Uh, what was going on the network and, and configuring the network. So we had a lot of people who thought they were in charge of the network. So as we were trying to put enterprise email out there and we couldn't get one post to talk to another post or one individual to talk to another individual, we brought in a team and said, what's going on here? Well, we found firewalls where there weren't supposed to be firewalls. We found people who bought an application or a service and put it on there and it wasn't compatible with another one. And so I mean, we're just finding all kinds of things on there that should not be on there. And so now what we're doing is we're putting out, a, you know, the directive cease and desist. No one can touch the network. It uh, has to come to a single uh, individual that has the architecture. And this is the other piece. This is really big, um, is that we build out the architecture from, from end to end. We've never really done that. We've kind of done the post one, and then there's this tactical network out here. and and never should the two talk to each other. Well, we can't win if we don't have, your, if you're not sitting at Fort Bragg being able to talk to Afghanistan. And that's the network that we're going to be building, the architecture. But that also is going to include in the future the logistics piece, the medical piece, the intel piece. And so that it's all fighting with the same standards, the same configurations, no matter where you're fighting in the world. When you connect um, anywhere, it, you'll, it'll look the same, it'll act the same, and you'll be able to touch it. Um, I remember when I was the J6 SECCOM, I, I went into the VIP lounge because my aircraft broke down and we were kind of trying to get fixed. So I go into the VIP lounge to log on, and it, they won't let me log on to, to the network. So I called up the comm squadron, just had the Air Force, the comm squadron commander, and I said, come see me. And so he comes there and I says, why won't you let me log on? And he says, well, this is an Air Force network, and we have higher standards than the Army. And I go, well, I'm the J6 for the entire theater, and I think I should be able to log on. <laughs> so, so that's the kind of things that we're we're working through. Do you have a time frame for where the network's back at zero, where you want it to be? Well, unfortunately, I, I I am convinced that if I if we could just stop the war and start from scratch, we could do it faster and cheaper. But unfortunately, we don't have that luxury, um, and so we're having to do it um, as as we go. Uh, but we've had some huge wins. Um, General Huggins down at uh, at Bragg. Right. So, so I, I while well, General Lawrence is, is working very hard on the governance and on the architecture, so that we know what to build to. At the same time, as we um, we're kind of using the in, first implementation of an enterprise capability, which happens to be email, um, to help us find where we have problems in the network. And so, as each post and camp uh, and station goes over to the enterprise email. Just before we migrate them, we go in and we look at those networks and make sure they have actually checked all the configurations and put them back to, as you would call, the baseline um, or ground zero or whatever you want to call that. The, yeah. Okay. So we're we're doing that as the operational arm um, as we go forward with each post implementing enterprise email, um, and that that is a huge difference. Um, the second part is that Active Directory domain collapse I was talking about. That takes us from having many different uh, areas where we segregate our information into one shared information space. So now there's no reason to have all those extra firewalls or impediments to communication, and now we'll be able to scan all the way down. So, so it helps our business of the operate, defend on a daily basis, at the same time executing where we need to go for one network on a long-term vision. So at this point, I'm going to open it. I'm going to um, 
bring in the bloggers and media who are on the call. And I'm going to go down a list here. It's not going to have a whole lot of logic, but uh, I think this will expedite since we um, have about 15 more minutes and uh, then we'll be cutting off. So um, can uh, let's test and see if you're still there. Um, is Army Times there? Yeah, this is Joe Gould. I'm here. Okay, so why don't we start with you? Okay, thanks. Um, uh, General Lynn alluded to the use of um, commercial off-the-shelf technology, and I was curious what the other uh, panelists uh, think is the future of smartphones in the Army. Um, is the network at present really equipped to, you know, handle some kind of mass deployment of smartphones? And, and how does it all kind of fit together with the existing radio technology that the um, that the Army is really working right now? Uh, I'll, I'll take that very quickly and pass it to my teammates. This is Susan Lawrence. Um, the key, you brought up a very good point, and it's the key of balancing um, being able to, to have access to the information, the freedom and flow of information, and then protecting the information. So there's no doubt we're going to have millions to billions of sensors here in the near future on this network. We're going to have mobile devices on the network. And so the key is how do we um, bring them onto it? I talked a little bit about it on the other end. So at the back end, we have a computing environment that's going to meet a common operating environment standard configuration. We're going to direct what that is. Then on the front end, what the soldier has as a device, as long as you can meet the security requirements so if you are discussing for official use only, if it is government-sensitive information, your ability to sign and encrypt uh, and validate that that is you uh, is what the requirement is going to be for that mobile device. And those are the things. And then uh, Mr. Kai is going to come out with some further policies on how we're going to do this as well. But that's the key, balancing flow of information to protecting the information as we work through this in the mobile device environment. And are we close to, um, you know, are we close to cracking that um, that question? Um, well, we are, and I'm working with um, big companies, you know, partners, Apple, Google, um, different companies to say that's what our requirement is going to be. And uh, we're testing one device right now that, in fact, you can embed. It's an iPad-like device um, that you embed your cat card in, and actually now we we're, we're, have the ability to log onto the network and sign. And so as, as long as industry can uh, bring those to the table, those are the devices that, that we want, that we're going to seek out. And so uh, we're working with a lot of partners on this. But we're really excited about this, and I hope we'll have a decision within this week that that device, in fact, does work. We can sign and encrypt. And if that's the case, then we're going to put it on the shelves very quickly for our units to be able to, to secure. Okay. Joe, this is uh, General Hernandez. Uh, clearly, from an operational standpoint, I can't wait to get them out there. Uh, it, it wasn't too many months ago that I, that I was on the end of, how come we can't have this? Now, <laughs> now, <laughs> from a vulnerability standpoint, uh, I'm at the end saying, let's make sure that we continue to bring them on at the rate that allows us to ensure that we maintain a trusted and, and secure environment. Uh, we are uh, engaged with the team here in all the uh, NIE work, and we we have a team that is part of those evaluations that are really looking at what vulnerabilities might these bring to the network and how can we reduce those vulnerabilities so that they can be trusted and secured so that we can get them into the fight as soon as possible. And I think that's a, a key piece of uh, what we're gaining from, from our NIE work. I think... Uh that has answered our question. Uh, let me move on to the next. Um, I know we have, um, I thought I heard Federal News Service, is that correct? Okay, let's move on to Inside the Army. Uh, Sebastian? Yes, um, thank you very much. I have a very quick uh, clarification from uh, General Lawrence, please. Use the phrase, a smaller but much more capable army. I'm wondering if you can give some context uh, for this. And then my question is, um, what is the Army doing uh, to help uh, protect the supply lines for uh, important uh, weapons programs? 
I'll ask for a clarification on that second one. But the first one is um, we're getting directions from uh, the department, uh, Defense Department to take a look at uh, drawing down our forces. And so we know, remember the surge we did going into Afghanistan, so we will be drawing down those 25,000 additional soldiers that we had brought in in the next couple of years. Um, we also anticipate, based on the reduced budget, uh, depending on how reduced the budget is, then we're probably talking taking forces out of the inventory. And those are uh, efforts that we're looking at right now. Uh, nothing definitive on it, um, but that's just the reality of depending on how, how um, much, how small the budget's going to be or what the cut from the budget's going to be will determine if forces need to be taken out of the inventory. And, uh, and so that's what we're, we're, you know, I think we can say with, with pretty high confidence that, that there will be forces taken out of the inventory. We just don't know how, how many at this time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think I'll reword the second question and make sure it's the right one. I think you meant protect the supply chains for the embedded processors of a weapon system. Yeah, the, the Defense Department has this program, Supply Chain Risk Management. Okay. I understand the, the Army has a piece in this, so I'm, I'm trying to get some insight on what you've learned, what steps are being put in place, uh, and so forth. Yeah, the, the key on that is as we acquire um, technology and capabilities, a lot of time our big companies partner with international companies. And so that's called supply chain management. When we're taking a look at procuring something from a company, who are your partners? And, and so we do that before we issue a certificate of net worthiness to allow something onto the network. So, for example, if your partner's Iran, we may take a second look at it. Um, if it, your partner's the UK, that's probably okay. And, you know, those are the kind of things that we're now looking at because um, so many of the, uh, of the international companies' uh, technologies are very advanced, and so they're finding that marriage there between the our national companies with our international companies. So that's the supply chain management that we get, um, that we get, uh, we take a hard look at. Any any results so far? Any decisions made on how to alter processes or, or so? No, I think the process we have in, in place is a good one uh, as we do the, the background investigation and then when we bring them on uh, and test them is where we find out where the vulnerabilities are or are not and especially their interoperability capabilities as we work through it is, is and, the quality key. and the quality control of the product. Okay, thanks. Okay. Um, North Shore Journal. Uh, good morning, folks. Chuck Simmons from America's North Shore Journal. I wanted to ask a cyber war question. Um, with the apparent success of a, of a cyber attack on the Iranian nuclear enrichment program, and a bunch of stories last week about hacking things like insulin pumps and uh, and uh, cardiac pacemakers. Uh, what is being done to ensure the security of the non-desktop computer computerized parts that the military uses? I think what you've seen is is what we're all seeing is, is that the threat continues to evolve. We have uh, gone, clearly we know we're, we're into the exploitation and, and we, we see attempts to penetrate us every day for the purpose of exploitation. We see attempts every day to, to, uh, in the cybercrime arena to get uh, individuals' personal identifiable information that might be beneficial to them. Uh, but we're also now seeing a, an increased capability to do those things that that clearly can be uh, disruptive uh, and the potential for what you're talking about, uh, increased capabilities on higher end threats that might have the ability to destroy things. Uh, a key component to that is really our ability to protect critical infrastructure. Uh, critical infrastructure protection is uh, uh, a responsibility of Department of Homeland Defense, but at the same time Department of Defense and each service has a, a clear requirement to ensure that we're doing the things necessary uh, to protect our critical infrastructure. Uh, we're working hard with uh, the Headquarters Department of the Army, uh, specifically inside of Force Protection, uh, to lay out what types of capabilities uh, 
provide the most significant vulnerabilities that we need to be sure that we're protected against. Uh, and that work is ongoing, and, and I, I, I've said I don't take a lot of comfort in, in being a service that might be good at this because as a nation we're probably only as good as whatever our weakest link is with respect to critical infrastructure. Thank you. We have time for about one or two more questions. Um, government Executive, uh, Bob Bruin. General Lawrence, could you update us on uh, satisfaction with enterprise email? I've had comments, plus I've talked to folks who are real unhappy with the switch, and I know you had a stand down and have started up again. Why were folks unhappy, and what are you doing to make them happy? Thank you. Bob, what a great question. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, first of all, let me tell you the goodness of it. First of it is not just the economics of, of being able to deliver this capability um, much cheaper in a managed services capability, but more importantly, to reach our joint partners. Um, you know, today, the uh, individuals that are successfully, you know, by the way, we've, we've transitioned to over 90,000 individuals now. I've been on it since March. Is now I have a, some of the pluses. I have an unlimited mailbox. Uh, I don't, you know, so many of us, you know, you get that notice that says you can't, you can't use your email anymore until you delete some of your old emails. Uh, we have unlimited access now. Uh, the other thing is I can actually uh, look across the Department of Defense and get somebody's email addresses and a global access list. I mean, is that not, uh, you know, just a fantastic thing? You know, before with all these disparate networks, if I wanted to reach a doctor in the medical community, I couldn't even see him. Well, now I can see everybody, which is a good thing and a bad thing in that, do you know how many, I have a major general, Steve Smith, that works for me. Do you know how many Steve Smiths there are in the Department of Defense? <laughs> and so we're working through those kind of things. So the, the pluses are just, you know, overwhelming on, on the services and, um, and like I said, I can go anywhere with my CAC card now. And I'm going to let Jennifer send more traveling, and she can explain to you that experience as we go through it. The, the bad experience was um, the incompatibility of software, uh, latency. It was those things we had to do. And this is why we stopped and did a strategic pause, because we want the user experience to be a positive experience. And so we said, okay, stop. We, there's no reason for us to continue. Let's take this pause. Let's go clean up the network. Let's get those standards set out there. And uh, and now we're getting ready to start up again. Right, Jennifer? Yes, ma'am. So, Bob, in, in kind of like full disclosure here, we knew we had challenges on the networking components because of how many people were running pieces and parts and an inability to look at the entire network top to bottom. We also thought we knew what kind of configuration would be required at the desktop and the network in order to do this enterprise email. We were not correct on the complete configuration. So there were some settings that so the early adopters, like Joan Lawrence and Joan Hernandez and I, had a little bit more of what we saw as latency, which means it took time for the software on the computer to reach all the way across the enterprise and talk to the server at Vista. Okay. And that, that software is because we also changed the identity management. So that gave a little bit of a challenge there. Um, when we went back and, and re-looked at those configurations with our engineers, um, we now have a very good, I would call it a 90% solution of how the network and those uh, end devices have to be configured in order for us to be able to draw services from the enterprise. And so now we have a pre-migration checklist, if you will, like we do in just about everything else in the Army, pre-execution checklist and we make folks follow that precisely, they don't get a vote, and when we know that they are free reconfigured, then we do the migration, and they don't even know that they've been migrated. The only way they would know is, that, is they're required to log in a little differently now because you're reaching into the enterprise. Since we stopped the pause, start restarted, stopped the pause and restarted migrating, uh, we did two test locations, Fort Lee and Fort Leavenworth, and uh, we have had absolutely no issues at those two locations. Um, it took about less than a minute per email account to migrate now. It's way down. We start off, some of us in the beginning were 10 or 15 minutes. That's a sign if you have a problem on your network. Um, and the folks the next morning came to work and email was up. So we knew that it was going to be painful in the beginning. Uh, we did warn folks. They didn't really want to hear us, but we did warn them. 
Um, and I think that we now have a much better process and um, configuration control going forward. And so we'll start up again right after Labor Day with a, a little more intensive migration. We've reached the end of the hour, and I apologize that not everyone has had a chance to answer questions. Um, you can follow up uh, with my office um, or with General Hernandez's uh, office, his public affairs officer, and um, I will, um, uh, well, I can give you right now my uh, email, uh, margaret.mcbride at us.army.mil. Patricia.e.ryan at us.army.mil. So, um, again, um, I thank all the generals who were able to participate today. This is uh, really great. That any further any any comment? Yeah, General Hernandez, I'd like to make just one one final comment here. For a lot of discussion on enterprise initiatives and enterprise services, and I applaud them all. And I keep saying the faster we can get to them, the the better we are. And I. Uh, I am I am comfortable with all the efficiencies that we will gain that others are counting on. I am really more excited about the effectiveness that this will bring to our ability to defend our networks uh, and the ability to see ourselves, to see the threat, to see the cyber turret range, and now really start getting into more of an active defense, the types of defense strategies that the Department of Defense has asked us to look at in their cybersecurity strategies. Um, thank you, and I, I'm I'm so excited about the time we're entering. Um, I call this the year of action. Um, so we're going to move very quickly. Uh, I think you'll see in the next 18 to 24 months a a very different network, a very different environment, one that we can secure more easily and have trust in, and that's our that's our personal goal. But our partnership with our service component command to to cyber. Uh, operations is absolutely critical because that's that's why we do what we do, and uh, and I'm excited about it. It's, it's a it's a neat time to be in this business. <laughs>